section forty five of canada south america central america mexico and the west indies this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the world story volume eleven canada south america central america mexico and the west indies edited by eva march tappan section forty five how the canadian pacific crossed the selkirks eighteen eighty one to eighteen eighty six by frederick a talbot it was no child's play to build any portion of the canadian pacific but the real struggle came in crossing the mountains the rockies afforded opportunities in plenty for the marvels of engineering but the selkirks presented even greater difficulties some of which are described in the following article the editor emerging from the rockies the engineers were confronted by another towering obstacle the selkirks this range was to be dreaded more than the barrier just left behind for there was a trail through the rockies to guide the engineers whereas the selkirks had never been threaded the indians in hudson bay voyageurs after emerging from the rockies turned sharply south to follow the columbia river the first task therefore was to discover a rift through the selkirks through which the metals might be carried it was shorter to go through the mountains than to go round them if any pass could be found to exist major albert b rogers an american engineer accordingly saddled his horse and with a supply of provisions set off to search for a pass he wandered up and down the range without success for week after week and then just as he was despairing of success his eye alighted on a narrow breach between two serried lines of snow-clad peaks he spurred forward traversing territory on which the feet of neither white nor red man had been planted climbing and toiling arduously among the crags until at last he gained an altitude of four thousand three hundred and fifty one feet from which the opposite sides of the range sloped down once more to the columbia river valley rogers's pass as this defile through the selkirks was named in honor of the discoverer was followed it did not offer any great difficulties from the grading point of view the greatest enemy was snow and avalanche the snowfall among these mountains is the heaviest along the line while the avalanches are of terrible frequency consequently the absorbing question was how to keep the line intact after once it had been laid it was impossible to avoid the defined paths of the snow movements entirely and in these cases huge sheds had to be erected to carry the avalanche harmlessly over the track to expend its violence in the gulch below the extent of snow shedding through the selkirks is amazing and it has proved terribly costly when the engineers attacked this country as the laying of the track was the paramount requirement it was pushed forward with all speed during the short summer and parties of men equipped with meteorological instruments and vehicles for movement during winter and supplies of stores were left at different points to study the snow question so as to collect data for the situation of the snow sheds there was no difficulty in determining this latter point for the avalanches appeared to rain down upon the track from all sides the question was not so much where to introduce the sheds but where they could be omitted it appeared as if the line would have to be carried almost continuously through a wooden tunnel to ensure its safety that the snow fiend is no mean enemy was brought home forcibly some three years ago while a snow train was climbing up the western slope clearing away the accumulated mass of snow and debris deposited by a slide upon the track another avalanche swept down upon the little band working so desperately to cut a path for the mail 
over one hundred men were on the train when the terror of the mountains struck them and swept the whole into the gulch below the locomotives and plough weighing over fifty tons being bowled over and over like an india rubber ball as they were hurtled down the steep slopes over fifty lives were lost in that catastrophe and it was but one of many which have happened since the selkirks were first gridironed by the railway but snow-shedding while securing the safety of the line has its drawbacks if a structure is made too lengthy it becomes filled with suffocating smoke which obscures all signals and deadens all sounds in summer another danger exists the district's threaded is one ravaged heavily by forest fires and the danger from this enemy was only too vividly apparent at this juncture mr w c van horn came to the rescue of the engineers as he had done on many previous occasions to extricate them from their difficulty he suggested that the maximum length of a single shed should be three thousand continuous feet and where the conditions demanded a long continuous length of this protection that it should be broken up into units with wide clear intervals of open line between to prevent these breaks becoming filled with debris he resorted to an ingenious expedient up on the mountain side he built what is known as a split fence this is a triangular erection with the apex pointing toward the mountain top of heavy massive construction and filled and banked with masonry the descending slide strikes this obstruction becomes split in twain one half is deflected so as to roll over the roof of the snow shed on one side and the other half caused to glance off in a similar manner on the other side if one of these constructions did not secure the desired end then another was planted above it higher up the mountain side the success of this system has been remarkable and it has enabled the company to reduce the lengths of the sheds very appreciably shortly after the line was opened the protective handiwork of the engineers was subjected to trying tests the winter of eighteen eighty six to eighty seven was one of excessive severity even for the selkirks in less than a week eight and one-half feet of snow fell and the blizzard raged continuously for three weeks slides were of daily occurrence the silence of the mountains being broken by the continuous roar of the avalanche the snowfall on the summits exceeded thirty-five feet and the white mantle was piled upon the roofs of the sheds to a depth of fifty feet the slides were of terrible fury some rattling down the slopes with such force and speed as to rebound three hundred feet or so up the opposite mountain side thousands of tons of rock some pieces as large as a small villa were caught up in their frantic rushes while tall thick trees were snapped off like matches and tossed about like straws yet with one exception the sheds withstood the terrible bombardment to which they were subjected the solitary case had the roof torn off completely to be thrown well above the track on the mountain side mudslides were another visitation which had to be respected for time after time a cutting had to be cleared of a viscous mass which had slipped into the excavation these movements are produced by a kind of sand which when it becomes saturated with water slips and slides in all directions in an amazing manner carrying everything with it in winter when under the grip of frost the soil looks perfectly safe and stable but when the weather breaks innumerable springs come to life and in a short time the whole mass commences to move like a lava stream in addition to resorting to extreme protective measures against the avalanche where these could not be avoided some magnificent pieces of bridgework were carried out at other points to avoid them in the first instance several were erected in wood to save time to be replaced by permanent metal structures at a later date in many cases however iron and in others masonry had to be adopted in the first instance there was one gully which perplexed the engineers sorely it was just a cleft in the perpendicular mountain cliff the engineers called it the jaws of death and the name was appropriate they had to cross this 
couloir and a temporary timber bridge was built by dint of tremendous effort the engineers congratulated themselves upon their success but their gratification was short-lived a constructional train ventured to cross and the structure collapsed under its weight here was a dilemma work was brought to a standstill and there was grave deliberation mr van horne heard of the accident and hurried to the front he surveyed the gully and there and then decided to throw an arched masonry bridge across the breach it was built and what was more to the point it stood the constructional gangs could get forward at stony creek there was another trouble of a like nature the v-shaped ravine was deep and wide and it was recognized that something different from what had been done in bridge building up to this point was imperative two wooden towers were built on either side to a height of two hundred feet and these supported a single span of one hundred and seventy-two feet over the gulch which was carried out in wood also from end to end the bridge measured four hundred feet and for years it ranked as the highest wooden structure bridge on the continent the timber structure however has long since made way for a noble arched steel bridge springing from the rocky sides of the gulch and it constitutes one of the most graceful bridges on the whole of the system the descent from the selkirk summit involved the execution of some startling pieces of engineering to gain the banks of the illakilawat river the line makes its way down the mountain side in a series of steps or terraces connected at the ends by sharp loops doubling and redoubling on itself to overcome a difference of six hundred feet in altitude in the most extraordinary manner the train is first running eastward disappears round the corner and then is making its way in the opposite direction a few feet below to round another curve and once more steams eastward this alternate running backwards and forwards continuing until the valley of the illakilawat river is gained by which time the train has travelled over six miles of metals to make an actual advance of only two miles issuing from the selkirks another barrier the gold range had to be traversed but this was a comparatively easy matter as the eagle pass is a natural causeway among the peaks for the iron road although its discovery taxed walter moberly to an extreme degree in this pass the engineers driving the line from the east met the forces advancing from the west they shook hands at a point known as Craigalachi, where the connection between the two arms was made where the golden spike was driven home and the pacific seaboard was brought into touch with the atlantic through canadian territory End of section forty five this recording is in the public domain